Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Homemaker Chic Podcast. I am your host, Shay Elliott, and I am joined by my beautiful friend, Angela Reed of Parisian Farm Girl. How are you, Angela? I am good. A little pooped. Yes. On a Monday. Mm-hmm. It's a Monday. Mondays aren't my very favorite day of the week, if we're being honest. It's kind of, it's just such a full throttle day that sometimes mm-hmm. by four, four thirty, you're like, yeah, I've, I'm done. I'm done here. We're done here. Well, we are we're done. <laughs> we are glad to have you with us today. We are going to be deep diving into cooking and kitchen stuff today, which a lot of you have been asking for. So mm-hmm. hang with us because we are excited Yummy. to talk about this hard thing. Today's show is brought to you by Jovial Foods. Uh, look, if we're going to talk about cooking, then this is a very, very natural segue into the <laughs> yes. Jovial Foods spot because this company, Shay and I have such a heart for. We love them. They supply us with the most gorgeous baking flowers and pantry goods. Shay and I each bake with einkorn, and we invite you to do the same. Einkorn is a weak gluten, high protein flour that you are going to love. And it's what Jovial is most known for. You can also stock your pantry with tomatoes and beans and olive oils and pastas, even gluten-free pastas. This company has such a love for high quality ingredients, which is why we welcome them into our pantries. And we welcome you to do the same. Visit them at jovialfoods.com. Right now, as soon as we're done with this podcast, because I promise you, when we're done, you're going to be so inspired to go into your kitchen and do some hard but fabulous things. So visit Mm -hmm. jovialfoods.com and enjoy their free shipping. Yes. And since we're hanging out in the kitchen today, I get to introduce you guys to one of uh, the new sponsors of Homemaker Chic Podcast. And one that I am getty about because I have trying to been I've been trying to bring them into the podcast for a while now because I love them so much. You guys know we only work with advertisers that we actually use and we actually love. This is one that's been a staple in my kitchen for, I would say, probably the last three years. So it's high time that we introduce you to San Juan Island Sea Salt. So a big welcome to Brady and his family who own San Juan Island Sea Salt. We want you to show them some homemaker chic love. So you guys know I live in Washington State. On the coast of Washington State are a bunch of islands on the Pacific Ocean. San Juan is one of those islands. You may have heard about it before. It's a bigger-ish island. There's a lot of teeny tiny ones over there. But here's Brady's story. So when he was, I want to say in college, he decided he was going to make sea salt for his friends for Christmas. So he just goes and gets a big pot of Mm. seawater, boils it on the stove forever, uses a ton of electricity and then ends up with sea salt. Magic, right? But he was like, hey, this is cool. Probably not the best way to do it. So (laughs) fast forward it to 2019 and they now have seven evaporation houses. If you guys don't, it's like a giant greenhouse that they fill with seawater and then they don't use any sort of electricity at all. There's no fans Mm. to speed up the process. There's nothing. There's just the good old sun. And the result of that is just amazing, clean salt. It's fabulous. And not only is the plain sea salt fabulous, but they also paired it with all these amazing flavors. So there's a steak blend, there's a spicy Thai blend, there's a dill pickle blend, which I've been using on Get out. everything, literally on everything. They nailed 
the spices and seasonings in these. So I want you to go check them out. San Juan Island They have a great little store there uh, and we will have a code for them and a link down in the show notes below. That is Fabulous. so exciting. Yes, it is. I love it when we welcome new people to our family. I know. And I love that story too. This is a good one. Like if you need a Christmas gift already, if you're one of those people, this is what your people want. At least if I was your people, this is what I would want. <laughs> We're their people. Yeah, hmm. yeah. And they do sell honey too. So check that out. Ooh. Why not? All right. You got all the savory vibes yeah. going, Shay. So on that note, I think we should yes. cue the wine cue music. Cue the wine music. This is the part of the podcast. Well, we're just going to let you dance for a minute. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's Monday. Get it out, girl. <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where we encourage you to pour a glass of whatever scratches your itch. For us, that means a glass of wine. And our wine segment is sponsored by Dry Farm Wines, which is a fabulous online company that will ship you organic, biodynamic, naturally yeasted, low sugar, uh, no garbage wines from all around the world. So they're going to ship you three or six or 12 bottles a month. You get to pick. What kind of garbage am I talking about when I say no garbage wines? Well, there are 76 ingredients that legally... (laughs) don't have to be listed on the back of your wine label. Mm-hmm. You want to drink 76 ingredients in your wine? Fine, but you should at least know what's in there. These wines have no GMO yeast, no purple dye. Yes, there's a reason your teeth turn purple. That's not natural. <laughs> this is wine that is grown and bottled to help you tap into life, not feel like crap mm-hmm. afterwards. <laughs> and it's supposed to help you celebrate it. So Shay, yes, I need to know. Yes. We're on pins and needles. Yes. What are you sipping? <laughs> I'm sure you're on pins and needles waiting to hear me I'm pronounce just like, this. Bated breath, girl. Okay. I can't take it. It's Monday. Um, I'm going to be making a pasta for dinner because we are still uh, trying to eat through all this bolognese sauce I made last week. <laughs> bolognese for days. Um, so I picked a nice little red wine, a nice little French red to go with our bolognese. And it's called Domaine Victor Sornin, or in French, Domaine Victor Sornin. How was that? Really good. <laughs> Let me see the label. <laughs> it's a guy like juggling some wine bottles. <laughs> oh, I got that one this month. Did you? Have you have you drank yeah. it yet? I- I haven't. I had it in my hand yesterday, okay. and I was like, hmm, I think okay. I'm going to wait for the weekend on this one. All right. This is a gamay. So you like it? You liked it? I don't know. I haven't had it yet. I'm going to have it tonight. Oh, so this okay. is the one I've got picked out. Um, normally, I do, like, the, this is just, there's no point to this, but, like, if we're going to have a pasta or something like that, usually I'll try to go with, like, an Italian red, you know? Mm-hmm. I just assume mm-hmm. that they'll pair well together. <laughs> So we're going out on a limb here. We're going to do it a French gamay uh, with, how do you say that? How do you pronounce that in French? Gamay. Gamay. Yeah. Gamay. I think. I don't uh, know. Makes me crazy. My mouth won't form like that. Um, but this is a neat one. So it comes from a little 60-year-old vineyard, uh, Crew Morgan region, near the Crew Morgan. Not region. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
I'm sure it's not pronounced Crew Morgan. I can probably <laughs> wager some sea salt on that one. <laughs> Here's the interesting thing about this one. This is actually why I picked it up. It says it's okay. aged in concrete vats. Really? Yeah. Isn't that strange? That is. To preserve all its fruitiness. I wonder what that what that does to the taste. No idea. I'm not even sure I know exactly what a concrete vat is. Well, it's got to be like a giant concrete cylinder, doesn't it? I mean, like oh, think I about was, like I a was, winery that the, the big stainless steel or the big, yeah, those giant kettles. You know, they je, must do them in concrete. Je ne sais pas, as the French say. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what it tastes like. Alrighty, Only let me know because know. I've got that set aside for the weekend. Okay, so. it's supposed to be nice and fruity. Yay. All right, so you should get uh, your first bottle for a penny. Yes. From Dry Farm Wines. Yes, do that. Go to dryfarmwines.com forward slash Homemaker Chic Podcast. You get to choose what subscription works best for you and you get a free bottle with your first purchase. Well, you get a, a bottle for a penny. Let me clarify. Right. So if you get three bottles, you're going to get three bottles and an extra one for a penny. And the really cool thing is um, this isn't like really a subscription per se. You just get to pick what you want every month. Yep. So if one month you want three and then the holidays are coming and you're having a big party and you need 24. Yep. Then you can do that. It's just switching you your buying not habits. Be disappointed. Yep. Right. You buy it there instead of buying it at the grocery store. Please don't do that. Oh, well, I tell you what, um, that's a pretty exciting lineup. Jovial, San Juan Island Sea Salt, Dry Farm Wines for what we're going to be talking about today. And it's, it's been a while. Perfect. I'm going to take a big old sip of coffee. I know. I'm, I'm looking at that. That sounds really mm. good. Because I'm ready to tear into this topic because I will confess, August is the very least exciting month. Uh, that's not the right way to say that. It's a very weird month in the garden and in the kitchen because you've got a foot in both ponds, right? Like I was just going to say, you got a, if you're you got a tentacle in all eight. I know. Like, what are you doing? You're already thinking about Christmas. You're thinking about homeschool. <laughs> you're putting up food. Yeah. You're ordering bulbs for next spring. Yep. It, it's it's yeah, weird. It's, it's a, a weird much. month. So like at breakfast, yeah. we had um, delicata squash. Have you ever mm -hmm. had? It's the only squash I care about. Delicata squash because you don't I have to peel it's, it. That's the sweet potato one, right? Yeah, it sweet tastes like a squashes. sweet potato, except it's, you know, way easier to grow in our climate. It's super prolific. Yes. You don't, Did I mention you don't have to peel it? And it makes these perfect little squash slices, mm -hmm. which are fabulous. Um, but we had that next to our tomatoes and it was like, I don't know what's happening here. Am I feeling all cozy? Like we're this yummy cinnamon squash or am I like still in tomato time? It's just weird to know what to do culinarily and in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I just go to cookbooks. I'm like, what are you cooking in August? Like, how are you making sense of this sort of in between time? And um, boom, today's podcast was born. So we want to share with All you right. some life-changing cookbooks, not to be dramatic at all, and um, hopefully inspire you and encourage you to get in the kitchen <laughs> and do the hard thing, culinarily speaking. 
We spoke last season about life-changing books that just really changed the way we homemaking changing books. Yeah. And you guys requested we talk about cookbooks. So we thought we would do that. I think last time we mentioned a few, mm-hmm. which probably, probably did. Yeah. More than happy to mention again. I want to talk about the cookbooks that are lined up on my um, countertop, like the ones that don't leave. You know, mine are under like I have this old um, workbench, like a, yes. I call it an island, but it's from some old guy's tool shed. And it smelled still like oil for quite a while. Oh. You know, grease, <laughs> that barn smell, which I love so much because it reminds me of my grandpa. Probably not but in it's the on kitchen, casters though. And um, the top cracked when we moved, like the woods pulled apart. Mm-hmm. So there's a real big fault line down the middle. And it makes me crazy when my family prepares food on it because the food falls down. Mm-hmm. And so the top of my my cookbooks, I keep like about 10 right there in the front that I can just reach down and grab are always like covered in like coffee beans. Oh, and yeah. Einkorn. Yep. Dust. It's fabulous. Uh-huh. But those are the ones that are most loved. The dirtier the cookbook, the more love. Oh, my gosh. We have this funny thing. So we our house is old. No floor is level. And so if you like speaking of family preparing things, if one were to say, I don't know, maybe crack an egg on the counter (laughs) and maybe not clean it up, hypothetically, the egg would run east. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right where I keep my cookbooks. So my 10 favorite cookbooks, the bottom like quarter inch of all the pages uh-huh. are completely basically gone because they've been glued with egg with sticky and, egg white. and like water or like spilt whatever and so yeah you know I wasn't gonna just let them be there and so I had to go through every single page of all these books and just use my hand to sort of tear the page apart and so literally like, there's no page numbers on any of my favorite cookbooks because the bottom <laughs> the bottom of the page is just completely gone I wish I had one here to show you I'll post it on Instagram so you guys can see what I'm talking about. But they're just they are so loved and so used. And, you know, I think that's a big thing. So maybe even before we get hardcore into what these cookbooks are, our theme of this season is you can do hard things. We can do hard things. And I'll tell you, learning to cook and learning to fall in love with cooking is a hard thing. That doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that it doesn't come easier to some people because it does. But I sort of think that women put on themselves like I'm either good at this or I'm not. And they sort of miss the entire in between of like, hey, I have to learn to do this. And in order to learn to do this, I have to do a lot of things badly. I have to cook a lot of bad food not do things correctly, meaning like, let's say you're having a big dinner party, a bunch of people are invited and you don't cook enough food. I've done that when I was learning to gauge how -hmm. much do people eat? Like, what do I need to prepare for? You know, and it's um, right. It's like working out. Frankly, the more you do it, the better at it, the more competent you get at it. Mm hmm. -hmm. Yeah, I think it's like um, it's even like I think they're all very similar. And well, for me, maybe the way my mind works, like working out, sewing, cooking. Yeah. The more you do it, the more your mind is a couple steps ahead of the process and you're not just hanging on for dear life. 
yes. step by step. Yes. Does, does that make sense? Like with sewing, like mm-hmm. I'm, I've not sewn in probably two years and I'm going to go back to it this fall. Um, just even sort of in the spirit and acknowledgement of what we're talking about this quarter or this season on the podcast. But when I was sewing a lot, I remember feeling as I was reading, which when you first start sewing, the directions are Greek. Yes. Even the easy sew. I was like, easy sew my bleep. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. Like the extent of my sewing lingo was like right sides together. I'm like, okay, I got that. But I still don't know what that means. This other gibberish right sides together is like. If you took two pieces of fabric and put them inside out against each other, you put the good sides touching and then you sewed the pillowcase and turned it inside out so that the good part was showing then. So then you have the the seam oh, on the inside. Oh, the good side. That's okay. what right okay. sides together mean. Okay. But aside from that, I mean, but I'm um, just flapping my jaws, but I suppose it's my podcast so I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I would sew, when I was sewing a lot, I was able to. Think ahead. Okay, they're having me do this because two steps later, this is going to be happening. And it made sense. And I think that's what happens in the kitchen when you spend more time. I don't love to follow directions, but when you do the discipline of getting out the cookbooks and really reading the recipe over four or five times before you start. Yeah. And and you do it often, then you start understanding why you're doing step three because you kind of can think ahead to step seven. It makes, it starts to make more sense. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And that's one of those kind of things that's only learned with experience. Like there's sort of no way through that other than just to go through it. I meant no way around it. Oh yeah. You just have to, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. And uh, I, you know, one of the best examples, like when I'm trying to learn something new, I look back on my early photographs on the blog that I took of food that I thought were good. And I'm glad I started. I mean, there's a really great quote and I can't remember who said it, but it was like, if you're not embarrassed by your first attempt, you didn't start soon enough. And and I love that because had I waited to start a blog until I could just nail it, I still wouldn't have a blog. Um, And it's a good reminder to be reminded mm-hmm. of like, this is where we started. And look, progress, because you don't see it day to day necessarily. You don't see it when you're just trying to get a meal on the table for your family. But then you look back. Why are you yeah. why are you laughing? I'm laughing because I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking of some of my <laughs> photographs that are still sitting on the blog where I'm like, sweet Lord, what was I thinking? Like, where I would just line up crap on the kitchen counter and take a picture of it, like for a recipe. Yeah. And I'm also thinking I'm going to totally get off track. So feel free to pull me back. <laughs> but, you know, I love Yona. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yona Yinton on YouTube. Have you ever in, sought out her first video? No. And watched her very first video? No. You will die. You have to promise me you'll do okay, it. Okay, I'll do it. She goes from like, this video, When if you watch this video, you will never in your mind fathom that she's become like this epic cinematographer and yeah. artist. You, you won't believe it. Okay. Is it in yeah. uh, Swedish? Oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. Okay. The camera's pointing at the snow the whole time. Okay. It's hysterical. Okay. Yeah. That encourages <laughs> me because YouTube is hard. Oh, my 
Yeah, you got to see it. And this is only like a few years ago. Oh, so that's check, good. Check it out. You so know, people keep on cooking. People on YouTube and they'll be like, well, I don't like this camera angle or you should really do this. And it's like, you have no idea how hard this is. I know it you looks know. easy when you just watch a movie. You're like, oh, nailed it. But like to do that, especially when you're just like a mom and pop with four kids in a farm, like. Oh my gosh, it is some tough stuff. How many times have you like thought you filmed something really pretty oh, yeah. on the farm, like in your kitchen, and then there's just like flies, like kamikaze oh, yeah. through the shot the whole time? Or you just did something wrong or yeah, it just doesn't come together right all the time. Basically all the all time. The time. Um, okay, here we go. <laughs> so okay. I told learning, you I'd take us off. Learning to cook, um, getting into the kitchen. One thing that was super helpful for me when I was doing this was a cookbook. You guys have heard me mention it before. Um, it's Mimi Thorson's cookbook, A Kitchen in France. And I can't even remember how I stumbled upon this. I think it was an Amazon recommendation. I got it and I was like, this chick is so fancy. I'm never <laughs> going to be able to cook any of this res- these recipes because they all had these French names and they looked really fancy because her husband or door is an insane photographer. Um, and, but I kept at it. I like, I, I just immersed myself in this cookbook. So one of my encouragements to be to myself and to you listeners would be like what I call think of as like boxing above your weight class. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because cookbooks like that tend to really help you to grow the like, get a meal on and three ingredients in five minutes. Like, okay, those might have a place, but those aren't going to help you grow as a home cook. And so something that's been really helpful for me is really trying to box above my weight class with cookbooks. So uh, a kitchen in France was a big one for me. And I know this next one was one for you too, but it was Gil Miller's cookbook. And did you hear what I said? You're making it. It's funny. just so garbly. Oh. Sorry, I'm trying to hang on to what you're saying. Oh, Gil Meller. So he was the head chef at River Cottage um, for a long time. What's his cookbook called? Seasons? Is that what it's called? Gather. Gather. I don't know. Why did I think of Seasons? Uh, did he have one called Seasons? What's his second cookbook? Gather is his first. Roots, Leaves, Stop. I don't remember. I don't remember the names yeah. of them. Okay. Um. So yes, Gather is the one that I have as of now. And... Gil is a chef, a proper chef. Mm -hmm. And what I love about his recipes is, again, they look super fancy. But if you just look down the list of ingredients, you'll stop panicking. You'll be like, "Okay, I recognize this. But he always throws in something completely unexpected, like Mm -hmm. that brownie recipe that he has with bay leaves. (laughs) I'm like, bay leaves? The bay leaf leaf brownies. brownies? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Oh my, that was the first thing I made in that cookbook. I got that cookbook like I was on the waiting list. I was like, just yeah. give it to me. Yeah. I couldn't wait till it came out in the States. And I was like, well, I've got chocolate and I've got bay leaf. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like that, that doesn't make any sense in my, like I never would have thought of that, you know, yeah. and it takes somebody who's way better than you to be like, hey, mm-hmm. little child, come along. Let me show you. Let me show you how it's. <laughs> let me school you. Let me show you how it's done. Yeah. Do you have a cookbook like that that you kind of. Well, I know Gills is one for you. Mm-hmm. Gathers. OK, I have this is a funny, uh, I guess, confession, whatever. I do remember my first cookbook that I purchased. I can see 
I can just see the whole, I, we were at Sam's club, which I don't even know how, maybe I was using a family member's Sam's club card. This is like, I was 20, 21, maybe. I don't know. And I bought this, um, you know, they just those like mass production books that those stores sell, like Italian, French, Chinese, you know, Thai. I bought the French one. I'm like, oh, this looks good. It's just this big paperback, silly cookbook. Really, I I mean, if I say dumbed down, that sounds rude, but they are dumbed down. Like if you take their particular recipe and then you open up Julia Child's cookbook and you read, you go step by step by step and compare. They're extremely simplified. Mm -hmm. But that's how I look. When I got married, I could not cook to save my life. Mm -hmm. I ordered market day frozen food Mm -hmm. from my sister's elementary school. I was so grossed out by raw meat. I, I, I couldn't even like touch a chicken breast. I just thought it was disgusting. And we ate a lot of bean burritos. Let me tell you, (laughs) we ate a lot. And that cookbook, um, I probably got it when we got back from France the first time. So it was probably 25. Mm -hmm. That was when we went on our first trip. Um, because I came home and I'm like, well, that's the end of that story. I'm not going to go the rest of my life not being able to make good food. I just ate high on the hog for a week. So I'm competent. I can learn something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bought this little paperback book and um, it really helped. It, it really just like helped me. It was that was my step one. I learned yeah. to make like probably half the recipes in it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them I've taken myself and just taken them to the next level mm-hmm. just because now they're like my recipes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mentioned one the last time we spoke. Um, oh my gosh, I'm totally having a brain cramp by Georgianne Brennan. Is that who I mentioned? The the farm, the French farm. I don't remember what her um, name was. Darn it. I should go grab it. Uh, I love this book. It's about two inches thick and it's very simple. There is no photography. It's mm. just all little sketches each chapter is uh, gives an intro about um, what she's talking about. And then each recipe tells about like the farm wife mm-hmm. that came up with it. Mm-hmm. So she's literally touring France and interviewing housewives. Hello. <laughs> you know, and it's fantastic. I learned a ton. Mm. I, every time I open it, I learned something new. I love cookbooks like that. And extremely non-intimidating. Yeah. But the end result is baller oh. every time. Like just that simple, hearty country. Not like really a, like a heavy Germanic like bistro cuisine like you would think like the ragu with the beans and the yeah. sausage and like that. But a really wide range of recipes because it's yeah. um, highlighting farms, a ton of produce, which the French use just so much produce compared to. A Rachel Ray cookbook or something like yeah. that, you know, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm doing such a great job telling you about this book when I don't even remember the name. <laughs> it says Isn't farm it on the front. Things like that French that can be a part farm. of your life. I don't know. It's like, just What's such a staple in my kitchen. I don't even yeah. know what it's called. Um, this is not a cookbook, but if you if you guys are needing some inspiration, go over to YouTube and like watch. Oh, sorry. Is I'm that like you? I'm stuck I'm like, in this like dinging? group text which oh you know how i feel about those i'm like i'm like i'm out quit quit i thought i had quit i don't know why it's still coming in um sorry about that go to youtube and watch anything from nigella lawson 
<laughs> because this is how, one of the reasons I fell in love with cooking because I didn't know how to cook. Um, uh, early twenties, yeah. still figuring it out, and then I see this just buxom, beautiful <laughs> of a woman. But here's what I love about Nigella, and and this may resonate with with some listeners. Like Nigella is not a chef, and she is unapologetically not a chef. She is mm-hmm. a straight up home cook who just loves to eat. Oh my gosh, I I cannot take this. I'm like I don't have mess- messages. Is not oh, open. it's on your computer. Yeah, but it's, it's coming. Through it's your closed. Computer. It's like oh, I'm Nigella super is, sorry about um, that. I remember when I like just I, I was just like who who is this woman? Yeah, I, she made me. She makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> She does. She makes me so happy. And I love how much she loves to eat. And again, just like I don't care if it's not perfect. I don't care about this or that. I'm not trying to impress Mm -hmm. anyone. I just want to eat good food. And like as home cooks, isn't that what we want? And a lot of times when we go to places of inspiration, they can actually be daunting and can detract from what we're trying to do. Because even somebody like Gills, it's like there's a place for that. But it's mm-hmm. it's probably not on your just like Tuesday table, right? Like you just you just want something. Yes, ingredients that are more difficult to find to so- produce. Right. That you're like, oh, you pro- do we even have that? You probably States? have to be you thinking know, ahead yeah. quite a bit. And there's again, mm-hmm. you're maybe throwing a fancier dinner party. That's what you want. But Nigella to me is just like I want to eat. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to eat. I want people to eat, and I want them to be happy. She's really chasing this emotion when she's doing her foods. Yeah, it's a very uh, celebratory, even if she's just having um, a lot of times she's just eating herself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> eating, yeah. you know, just by herself. And so but it's still a celebration mm-hmm. or like at the end of the show, she'll have four girlfriends over. And it's it is very much just like an enjoyment celebrating the end result. And I think I mean, really, if somebody was like, OK, I'm tired of telling people I can't cook. I would say start with Nigella because I just think her I think her sourcing is going to be like the easiest yeah. and the least intimidating. I mean, she is just like opening the pantry. You're not going to see a lot of like chefs like opening a canned good yeah. and using it for their recipes. Yeah. She's so um, pragmatic in her approach, but not in I a Rachel Ray way. Like not in a Ray, yeah, in a not very in a Rachel classy. Ray. No offense to the Ray Ray yeah. uh, fan club, yeah. but no, in a very just classy way. I just love mm-hmm. her. And um, she was a huge inspiration for me and in being like, oh, I can do this, you know, because she'd just be like, you just plunk it in and then you just toss this. And <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. Uh, so she's a great one. I've got a couple of her cookbooks for sure. One of my favorites of hers is The Art of Eating. And it's basically yeah, just girl. on like pure, like how to enjoy food. You know, it's great. Um, we'll make sure we link these down below. Um so I've done that. I've just like binged hers. And then there's food tube, which is like Jamie yes. and Gil. And what's this guy that does the meat for River Cottage? Like you can just get on YouTube and mm-hmm. binge and learn a ton. Mm-hmm. That's a great place to watch people do stuff. You're like, show me that again one more time. Um, I did that a lot when I was learning how to make right. bread do it back, you know, so that. Yeah, that's super helpful. Uh, one of the difficulties I run into with cookbooks is that we don't cook with white sugar. We don't bake with white sugar. And right. that is frustrating because every single person in the world does. 
it feels like, except for, mm-hmm. you know, me and a few small handfuls of like my cooking community members. And um, it's really tricky. So I pulled out a new cookbook, actually, that I'm exploring uh, by Sky McAlpine. And she's an English woman who was raised in Venice with her family. And she wrote this book called A Table for Friends. And it's sort of her English Venetian, you know, take on food. And there's a great pavlova recipe with like lemon curd. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make this. So I whip my egg whites and they're whipped good. And then I pour in my maple sugar and it just goes. (laughs) Which drives me crazy because I've made meringues with maple syrup. I've made meringues with honey and they are 90 percent of what a meringue should be. But they never Mm. get that super dry, super crispy thing that you need for a pavlova. And Mm -hmm. it's stupid frustrating because I'm like, meringue was not a thing until what, the 40s or what? (laughs) Like, when did white sugar come out? Like, this is a new invention and you guys are making me crazy. I thought maple sugar would be my answer and it was not. Not. It completely deflated my egg whites. So I'm back to square one on that. So, so what did you my end up point doing? is like, well, I took your advice and I added in a bunch of almond flour and made like a sheet cake egg white thing and put a bunch of fruit on top. And it was fabulous. We served it to oh, a, like okay. a dinner of 15 people. You never told me like how it came no, out. It, it came out great. It was fine. I mean, almond flour is not my very favorite ingredient, but it was enjoyable. Everyone loved it. I love anything with almond flour, egg whites and butter. Yeah, I didn't have any butter. But it was... Oh, my gosh. Browned butter. Yeah. Browned butter. Yeah. Browned butter, almond flour, and egg whites. I'm just going to smear that all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, as I approach... As I approach cookbooks, I'm always like, okay, what are they... What are the ingredients that they're cooking with? And I think this is actually really important because when I first got into cooking, I got really excited and I'm like, I'm going to get this Thai cookbook and I'm going to get this like you know, Spanish cookbook and like, we're going to tear this up. And then when I started farming, I was like, hey, we don't actually grow any of that food. <laughs> like none of the food in their <laughs> cookbooks is what you actually cook with. So I actually think this is really important. Um, if, if people are learning how to cook and they want to be inspired in the kitchen, one of the very uh-huh. easiest ways to do that is to find flavors that you love or that you can, you have access to. Like if you're going to the farmer's market, I'm not going to find Thai ingredients. I'm not going to find coconuts or good avocados here. Like it doesn't exist. So finding flavors that I love and flavors that I can actually access where I'm at with the way I want to source food and then get cookbooks that will be based around them. Did you go through that stage where you're like, I can cook now I'm going to cook all this. I cooked so much bad. Like I love Thai food. Can't cook it to save my life. Can't do it. That's actually on my goal list. I need to learn how to make just a few dishes. But, you know, you get like that one restaurant. Yeah. And like they're the they're the standard for you. We had a Thai restaurant where we used to live and I've had a lot of Thai food. None comes close to this restaurant. And they had um, a dish called green peas curry. And. I would order it because I don't like cooked bell peppers. So I would order it with jalapeno, especially when I was pregnant, because I'm just such a spicy person. I would just be sitting in the restaurant and like sweat pouring off my mustache and down my temples and 
this it was like yellow green curry peas i would order it with tofu i was on like a huge i loved their tofu mm. oh my gosh this dish and then musiman curry have you ever Mm-mm. had that no it's like a thai pot roast with peanuts and oh my freaking goodness it is so delicious mm. there's a couple dishes i would really yeah like to know how to knock out of the park yeah but but finding the ingredients yeah, is I hard do- you know, when you're using it, like it is those kefir lime leaves and lemongrass, bruised oh, lemongrass yeah. stalks. And it's like, I don't have any of those things. <laughs> right. And especially where I live now, like we had a huge, uh, huge Asian market, like mm-hmm. the size of a Fred Meyer. Mm-hmm. OK, where we used to live. I mean, I can't get any of that. Yeah. Stuff now, yeah. So I think not happening. that's what was so um, revolutionary to me about Mimi's cookbook when I got it, because. So Mimi, she wrote this cookbook in particular when she was living in Medic, France. No, maybe they hadn't moved to Medoc yet. Anyway, they were in kind of northern-esque, northwestern France. And um, it was like mushrooms. Boom, got those. Oysters. Boom, got those. Pork. Okay, Mm -hmm. got that. Like, it was almost exactly reflective of what we could harvest from Washington State, where we are. And... So it made food that much more exciting to me. Now, that would be that cookbook would probably feel totally different to me if I lived in Florida, because I'd be like, hey, I got I don't know what they grow in Florida. Pawpaws or (laughs) mangoes. I don't know. I don't actually know what they grow in Florida or like I have all this amazing citrus. It's like I don't ever have a glut of citrus ever. And so, yeah. Coming up with like creative citrus jellos or like candy that like that's not on my radar because I'm not mm-hmm. having to work through that the way I'm having to work through like tomatoes or green beans or mushrooms or something like that. You know, a lot of times if I have a glut of something or I score something at the farmer's market or we have an, a neat little market around here, that little shop that does have like unique things. I just like go home and take to Google. I know that's not a kitchen changing cookbook. Yeah, but. Sometimes if I have a couple things, I'm still enough of an amateur that I'm like, does this even go together? Like, has anybody done this before? Like what kind, what kind of just, stuff? What have you done that recently? Oh, yes. I just wanted a confirmation the other day. It was kind of stupid because I knew it should be. I knew it'd be fine. But remember, I, I messaged you a couple weeks ago that I made maple and thyme scones. Oh, Yes. But I didn't want to spend all morning making them if it was going to come out like just a little bit off. Yeah. I love to put herbs with everything. I'm forever looking for an excuse to put herbs with whatever I can. I made blackberry jam. I added sage. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I just Mm -hmm. whatever I can. Mm -hmm. And so I just like uh, hmm, maple time scones. I'm like. The couple recipes pop up. I'm like, good enough. Yep. It's been done. Yep, it's been done. I'm going like, um, to carry also on. It's helpful to know how much of an herb to add because like I remember the first time I made lavender shortbread and you have, oh depending on what type of lavender <laughs> you, you soap use, shortbread. exactly, because there is a culinary lavender that's actually good yeah. to cook with. And then there is a not like a, you should use this for something else, lavender. So that's worth noting. But yeah, too much lavender or too much rosemary and you basically end up with soap. Yeah. You got to yeah. use proceed with caution, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Do a little research on fresh versus dry. Exactly. And all that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, OK. What's another cookbook that I have sitting on my shelf? I have a really good one. And it's the only cookbook I allow in that doesn't have pictures because I am such a photo, especially food photo junkie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of times I don't even look at the recipe. I just see it. I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> I'll yeah, create I can do that. something of that nature. Something in that ballpark exactly. will come off when I'm done. But my mom got me this book of this group of books at Costco a couple of years ago for Christmas. And it was Alice Waters. And she's a chef. She lives in the San Francisco area and she has a mm-hmm. restaurant, Chez Panis, and um, she cooks with just like the freshest, cleanest right. ingredients. Like she, you can tell this woman has a palate like there is a potato, a boiled potatoes with butter and salt recipe in one of these cookbooks. And she's literally like, you have 15 minutes to get this from the field to the kitchen any longer than that don't bother making it and i was just like i like this lady <laughs> like, right. I'm, yeah, i think i'm extreme freshy she is extreme but what it what it caused me to do is so it's called the art of simple food it's a two-part book grouping and it just goes into like roast chicken you know um blanched green beans like the most basic of kitchen things but here's how to execute it to perfection. And if you're learning new skills in the kitchen or you want to learn new, or you want to just take it to the next level, this would be a great book set for you. I reference it a lot in terms of just technique. Like, OK, should I braise this? What am I doing here? Like, what would be the best way to make use of this? And um, man, she kills it. You can tell that that chick knows what's up. She knows what she's doing. She's no fool. Have you seen these books? I haven't, but that sounds really good. Kind of matches up with uh, our better, not more idea. Uh, I do like that because I th- I think that's a great, I think better, not more in the kitchen is a great, great point. I mean, to, to steam or prepare like the perfect green bean, that's, that's a big deal. I mean, I think it's really easy to think that you have to create these incredible culinary experiences when Actually, just really simple, well done food mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what makes people extremely happy. I can't tell you how many times we have had company over and I make roast chicken, some form of roast potato and some veg like dead simple. Mm-hmm. But you just do that well. You season things well. You get a nice crispy skin on your chicken. You don't overcook your veg like people are happy. Right. They are so happy with that. And what I what yes. I love about Alice's books is that um, there's nothing really prepackaged in them. And I know it can be easy to look at cookbooks like this and be like, yeah, but green beans are three ninety nine a pound or whatever. I don't know how much they are, but um, I would I would encourage you listeners <laughs> to like to do the math, because like I'll tell you what's expensive. Cereal. Cereal is expensive. <laughs> um and so, yeah, like, right. If we're talking about nutritional value and like price per pound, that kind of a thing, veg is where it's at. So don't think you need to blow the budget mm-hmm. to cook well. You do have to make some trades. You do have to make some trades. So I have heard a lot of people balk at the price of like a really, really good egg. You know, like if you get it from somebody's backyard and they're, Maybe they're organic feed and free range and they're, you know, they can be here at least like six dollars a dozen, you know, pretty Mm. up there in terms of egg prices. But then when you think I'm going to fry one of those with a few pieces of squash, you know, and a peach for breakfast with a few nuts on the side, that's a pretty cheap breakfast. 
all in all. Your little 50 cent egg. Oh, for sure. You know? <laughs> and you know what? Like, just just try it. Just go get an 89 cent dozen of eggs and get the $5 free range eggs from the farmer down the way. And yeah. Make two fried eggs with some salt and pepper and then come back to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. My kids are like little foodie snobs. Like if we go out, um, you know, we have a, a favorite restaurant here, but they don't use good eggs. And they bring these peaked, sad, pale, <laughs> anemic. They're like, look at the yolk on this egg. Mm-hmm. They call that yellow. I know. Oh, you guys are spoiled. I know. They are spoiled. I always tell my kids that you have no idea. You have no idea. Mm -hmm. So tell me this, Angela. When Mm. we're we're getting, well, like today is our first day back in homeschool. Hello. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have to submit to the fact that there is a place for creativity in the kitchen And then there's also a place for just utility. So how do Mm -hmm. you carve out time to allow yourself to kind of be inspired in those sorts of things? Okay, that's actually a real point of discipline for me this season because my plate is very full. And just to protect um, my emotions and my family on behalf of my emotions, I am... um, putting a menu together and it's going to be very simple during the week. Thankfully, I have a family that's willing to eat very simple. So like Joel, I know some husbands want like meat every night with their meal. It's not a meal if there's not meat. Joel's mm-hmm. he's fine. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I actually got like a giant bucket of organic peanut butter from <laughs> I just did that too. Like it's a gallon. It's huge. It's ginormous. It's obscene. <laughs> That's funny. And I'm just not going to be like a martyr during the week. Um, I, you know, I love to make like a nice like lunchtime frittata with a salad or whatever, but like I have to just have a reality check. Yeah. So really Monday through Thursday, like we've talked about with our homeschool schedule, yeah. especially um, I'm going to make, you know, four, I've got a four loaf pan and I'm going to make the sandwich bread, mm-hmm. uh, the einkorn sandwich bread. And we're going to have peanut butter and jelly for lunch. And we're going to have simple things like oatmeal bake and, uh, egg bake for breakfast mm-hmm. that like that I can put together the night before, mm-hmm. because as we talked about last week, I'm working out in the morning. And so it's not going to be a big cowboy breakfast. I see. During the week. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to keep it really simple, even for dinners for those four nights a week. So lots of soups. My, I am like my family loves split, split pea. They love lentil. They love 16 bean, you know, and, um, leek and potato. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, they, they love soup. I can make soup mm-hmm. all day long and they're thrilled. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to learn a few new soups. One of which I saw on your blog oh, the other day. I'm excited to you try. You simply must eat that because <laughs> i love using those beans oh. soup i do like a soup au piece stew that my family just eats their faces off every time i make it and so just soup and bread for dinner very simple um but that's not to say that's without um deliciousness i mean you've got herbs you're sauteing onions you're adding in always like some for me i'm trying to always add some form of ham mm-hmm. you know be it bacon or pancetta or whatever and then friday's is our like French art music yeah. 
and we're done by noon or whatever. Friday and Saturday is where then this is mom's time in the kitchen. Now I get to be creative and treat it like I'm carving out time for my hobby. Yeah. And that's where like during the week I'm going to intentionally peruse the cookbooks and come up with a few new things that I want to try. And I'm going to have, God willing, that protected time to learn and then put on a feast for for those two meals, a week, mm-hmm. two or three, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. That's basically the exact way we're doing it as well. Try not to be a martyr about it because I love no. to cook. Yeah. I really do. I do. And it bothers me to put something not as good as I could And I put. love like, I love a proper <laughs> like your French lunch. Oh, like yeah. A, I'm sorry, connection's so bad. I'm talking. No, over it's okay. You. Go ahead. Proper a proper French lunch. You said. Yeah, with a you know a little ball jar, half a glass of wine, a salad, a slice of cheese, a little something. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just that's not realistic for week. school days. Yeah. Nope. One of my favorite ways to kind of stay inspired, like I'm always buying new cookbooks. I have a cookbook problem call it a problem if you will. But I I'm constantly finding a new book that I can just explore and look at pictures of. And it's amazing how just taking in something will spark creativity. Um, and a lot of times it's not even what you're looking at. It's not copying what you're looking at. It just sparks something in you. So, um, Mm -hmm. this is me giving you permission to go buy a bunch of cookbooks. Don't tell your husband. Um, I'm kidding. But one of the other ways I've done this is like, this is actually one of the big reasons why I created the cooking community, because it forces me to create new recipes every month. And it forces me to photograph those like on a schedule, like, no, you have to document this if you like it. And um, that's been like you talked about Mm -hmm. it being a discipline. It's totally that for me. Like you have to create new flavors, exciting things, push yourself. So it's just finding the pockets of time where like, do I have a few hours to devote to playing with this ingredient or that ingredient? And it's it has to be intentional time if you're going to enjoy it. Because it's not enjoyable when your family's starving and you're an hour late on dinner and that's not the time to be creative. (laughs) No. (laughs) Nope. It really isn't. (laughs) Good luck with that. Um, Yeah. I mean, this the soup during the week thing. um, First of all, it's, that's really friendly on the budget. Goes a long way. Yeah. Then there's usually leftovers. So for like, I'm not eating peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. You know, so like then the next day, then I can have that for lunch. Um, I don't, I forgot what mm-hmm. I was going to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> you did that last episode too. Where was I'm I so going? distracted. Like our connection is so it's bad. It's not bad I'm on my end. On your ever- so I'm just getting it's to watch just, your facial I'm so distracted. Sorry about um, that. There's another cookbook on my counter right now that I don't actually cook from that much, but it just makes me so happy every time I look at it. And it's Monty's cookbook called Fork to Fork that he did with his wife. And there's a picture of them on the front and they're young. And it just makes my heart melt every time I see it because (laughs) I love him so much. And I love one time Monty was asked what his favorite smell in the world was. And he said the nape of my wife's neck. And I'm like, swoon. <laughs> like, come oh on, gosh. Monty. 
<sighs> so every time <sighs> I see that picture of them in the cookbook on the cover, Aww. they're holding these squashes, at least in my edition. It's an old book, but um, it just makes mm-hmm. me so happy. So, I mean, Monty is not a chef. You know, he's a gardener who eats what he grows. But it's still like it's just like it's a little peek into his world and flavors he likes and like he's got this three-page thing on how he likes his toast made and it's like (laughs) like if you don't cook it like this like don't even bother um don't even bring it to the table he's also got a funny thing in the morning about how like breakfast should be eaten alone and like it's a big point of contention with his family because he likes to eat breakfast by himself like no talking (laughs) like monty you should come to my house and see what a monday morning breakfast looks like right because yeah Oh, it's funny. It's a fun cookbook. Um, And I find even though I'm not necessarily going to make the recipes, it's not that they're bad. It's just not quite my take on food. But um, Hmm. it makes me so happy when I spend time in it that I want to cook. I want to go. I want to go make something now, you know, and sometimes that's all a cookbook needs to be. So do check that out. It's I don't think it's in print anymore, but you can snag a used copy on Amazon. It's a good one. Yeah. Or thrift books or something. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's really, I do think if it's something you want to pursue, then to have a little collection, four or five of just books that just inspire you, that you just go back to over and over again, you can really immerse yourself in the author's words, kind of get, you know, like with Mimi, you get like this take on where she's from and why she's doing what she's doing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just get into mm-hmm. that, that space and just her. Have your little collection and and you don't need, you know, I know it's like aprons. You you, you don't need 75 <laughs> aprons. You don't need 75 cookbooks. You know? I argue against that. I just bought myself a new oh, apron okay. at a thrift store. Stu's like, really? I'm like, yes, boo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mimi's cookbook is a perfect example of what you were just saying, though, because in her first cookbook, A Kitchen in France, she's got this chapter at the end where it's like this... Um, Chinese food. So it's like these tea dyed, these tea colored eggs and wonton. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a wonton soup. And there's a few other. And I I was like, what? When I first looked at it, like, this doesn't make any sense to me. But then as you get to know it and you read the words and you spend time in it. Well, Mimi's mom is French. Her dad is Chinese. Mm -hmm. She grew up in Hong Kong and they would spend summers in France with her aunt and you know, so she grew up in this incredibly like multicultural family. Her husband's Icelandic. So like they live in Italy now. I mean, it's just like this amazing synergy of cultures. And so it makes perfect sense. Like this is the food of her childhood, you know, and I think that's kind of important to remember is like what comes out of your kitchen is going to be a reflection of like what you ate growing up. Like, for example, you guys eat wet burritos. We do not. Yeah. Like that's not a part of the yeah, culture girl. here. You know, <laughs> like that's not anything I've ever eaten. All my Michigan <laughs> friends are listening like, yeah, we eat some wet burritos. No. We're from Michigan. Yeah. It's just not a thing here. Like we eat street tacos. Like that's what we eat. Street tacos. Like we don't really even eat burritos. You know, it's just hmm. not. It's tacos. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a thing. And I love that because what comes out of your kitchen is going to be different than what comes out of my kitchen, which is going to be different than Mimi's like, and it should be, you know, I think that's why cooking is such a great form of self-expression because what's inside is going to come out. It is. And 
And for the homemaker, like you're saying, it is really um, just like the memories we're trying to create with our family or the atmosphere we're trying to create coming up with some signature moves in the kitchen. Like if you want to get kind of sentimental and sappy, like your kids will remember. Oh, yeah. Your family will remember. Oh, yeah. Big time. Puff pancake, baby. (laughs) Shay and her Dutch baby. (laughs) It's a good one to have up your sleeve. I'm just saying. 30 seconds to make it. Um, I can't remember what episode that was in that we referenced that and the recipe, but maybe we'll try to remember. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about Mm. with the puff pancake, you're missing out. I'll try to post it somewhere. Um, Okay, so the takeaway from today's episode would be to go fall in love with some really good cookbooks. Find some that are reflective of your tastes, um, the good produce, celebrating the super good local produce. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That you can get. Um, And and don't be afraid to be um, to push yourself in the kitchen. So we are embracing doing hard things. So if a cookbook looks too challenging or too fancy for you, that might just be the perfect one for this season. I don't know. Stop glaring at me. I have no idea what you just (laughs) said. I'm getting pissed off. (laughs) It was a real. I have no idea what you just said. Like I I could have insulted you and you'd never even know. I was telling people to go fall in love with some really good cookbooks. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to call it Angela's Internet is from the (laughs) 80s. Look. (laughs) Oh, bless her. It's doing me no favors. It's doing you. We must have a storm coming. Like, can you see how dark it's just getting darker and darker and darker by the minute? Don't tell me. It's not sunset yet. All right. Well, why don't you close us out since you can't hear what I'm saying? (laughs) Since I can't. Since I can't hear anything, I don't know what you just said. I, I bet you said something like, go find some cookbooks to fall in love with. And I'm hoping that you said, hop on over to patreon.com because we've been remiss. We haven't mentioned that in a yes, while. Yes, you're right. <laughs> patreon.com forward slash homework or chic podcast. <laughs> because speaking of cookbooks, we have downloads of some of our cookbooks there for our new patrons. And some other goodies there for you as well. And join us over on Instagram. Get ready. I know it's Monday, but keep Friday in mind because we want to see you on Friday using the hashtag Ultra Feminine Friday. Yes. And we hope that uh, just we're a few episodes into this season. We're talking about doing the hard things. We hope you're inspired. Mm-hmm. Very inspired. Yes. Shay, are, are you working out? Um, my, my workout machine comes today. My workout machine comes today. I'm going to start. Okay. (laughs) Good enough. (laughs) All right, ladies. Well, thanks for joining us. Do show our advertisers some love. Go to jovialboots.com and go to sanjuanislandseasalt.com. Show them some love. Let them know in the little notes if you place your order that you are a homemaker sheep listener. Let them know how much we love them. And uh, congratulations. For sure. So many of you are joining us and doing hard things in your home. Share those with us on social media. Like Angela said, we would love to hear what you're tackling. And I hope that cooking is on the list. It's going to be a good season. All right. We'll see you guys Thursday. It's going to be a good one. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.